Uh, we pray for our friend. Uh, Lord, thank you for his desire to get back on the stage, which can be very intimidating, but that's not why he was struggling. But uh, Lord, we just lift him up to you. Uh, thank you, Lord, for those that are in the church that's going to be ministering to him right now. And we just pray that you'll take care of them and have your hand upon them. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, take your copy of God's Word and turn with me over to the Gospel of Matthew. Um, I have been uh, looking forward to preaching this text for a while. And I hope you can say when everything is said and done that, um, that it's been a blessing to you and that the Word of God and the Holy Spirit minister to you today as well. You see on the screens, we're talking today about carols of Christmas. We've been in this series and seems like we just started and you know why we just did uh, we started last Sunday morning and we'll be in it today and then next Sunday can you believe this this is this next Sunday this is Sunday before Christmas I, I just can't get over that it just seems like it's right here upon us so we're going to be talking next week as well about a particular carol and today we're going to be in the gospel of Matthew Matthew chapter 1 verses 18 through 25 one of my favorite passages uh, relating to Christmas. Um, of course, I love Luke. Dr. Luke goes so much in detail, doesn't he? Uh, we might be in that next week, but I won't let the cat out of the bag. And who knows what God might do. Um, it's it's kind of neat every now and then when you think you know where you're going with your preaching direction and God just kind of changes things up there. But today we're looking at Matthew chapter one and this particular passage of scripture inspired the writing of the song we sang a few minutes ago, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. You know, when you, when you think of Christmas, man, there's a lot of things that, you know, come to your mind, a lot of things that go, go through your mind, I'm sure, at the Christmas season. As I said earlier, there's so much hustle and bustle that's surrounding the holiday. There's so much busyness. And as much as I love Christmas, I don't want to negate Thanksgiving. You know, I'm, I'm still from the old school. Thanksgiving's in November and then I want Christmas. That's just me. I mean, and I love going to Lowe's. Anybody like going to Lowe's? I love Lowe's. I can do some damage in Lowe's. I had, Lowe's is like what the Lifeway stores used to be. I would have to say, okay, I can't buy anything today, but I love going to Lowe's and, and shopping and buying tools that I'll never use and stuff like that. But, but man, October, I think, was here, and we had Christmas trees in Lowe's. Seth, was that right? Because you kind of work at Lowe's. So, yeah, that's just unreal. So even with all the busyness and all the commercialism that's attached to Christmas, with everything going on around the Christmas season, it's almost as if, I wonder, it's almost as if we forget the, the sole purpose of Christmas. And the sole purpose of Christmas is that we get to celebrate the birth of the, of the great I Am. We get to celebrate Jesus, the babe of the manger. Think about this, without Christmas, there will be no Easter. Without the Christ child being born there in Bethlehem, there would be no Savior. So at Christmas, we celebrate the fact that Jesus was born. So the song that we sang, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, um, honestly, it's not one of my most favorite songs at Christmas. But it's a great carol that I'm sure you've sung for years and years, just like I've sung for years and years. This particular carol is an Advent carol. Uh, it expresses a longing, if you will. It, it expresses an anticipation for the Son of God, the Messiah, to come and to save his people. And that's what the word Emmanuel means, whether you spell it with an I or an E. Uh, I particularly like the I version because that's what it says here in Scripture. And the first time that word is used in Scripture is all the way back in the prophecy that the prophet Isaiah mentioned. And he prophesied about the coming Messiah and that his name would be Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. Yeah. 
I mean, what a prophecy. I mean, let that sink in. What a prophecy that is that he is God with us, that there is a particular time and place when heaven came down to earth in the form of a babe in a manger. I mean, at a specific time and in a specific place, God put on human flesh and he dwelt among us. So the first time that word Emmanuel appeared was in the prophecy of Isaiah that we read about in Isaiah chapter 7. The second time it appears is right here in our text for today, Matthew chapter 1, when an, when an angel came and appeared to Joseph. One of the people I look forward to meeting in heaven is Joseph, and I'll tell you why in a minute unless I don't forget it, unless I forget to. But I look forward to meeting Joseph one day in heaven and to hear him tell me just about that angelic visit in a little more detail because this is the second time we hear about Emmanuel, about Jesus being given this name. And it's right here in Matthew chapter 1. I hope you got your Bibles open there, whether you're using an electronic copy of God's Word, because uh, I don't put them on the screen. Have y'all found out that about me? Uh, the reason I don't put them on the screen, I like everything else to be on the screen, but I really think it's important for you to have your copy of God's Word open or um, your electronic device open, not to any type of sports page, mind you, or anything like that. Uh, I know you because I am one of you, all right? But to have it open to your Bible out there. So here's what the Bible says, Matthew chapter 1, beginning at verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. And then here's the verse from Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took Mary as his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. May God bless the reading of his word this morning. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, as we uh, pause before we delve into the sermon, uh, we, we again lift up Randy to you, but Lord, um, I pray for everyone that's within the sound of my voice this morning, be it within these four walls or watching us over the internet. Uh, Lord, may they not hear just words from my mouth to their ears, but may they hear something to their heart that can only be from you. You've drawn us here today, Heavenly Father, either here or online to be a part of this worship service so father i just pray that you might reveal yourself through your word and through your spirit and through the preaching of your word to those that you gathered here today we pray in jesus name and if you agree with that prayer would you say amen amen thank you so very much for praying and they shall call his name emmanuel which means god with us that that is the message of christmas that god sent his son to earth at Christmas and we get to celebrate his birthday not just on Christmas 
but every single day of the year. If y'all ever had somebody make a comment like this, maybe over breakfast at Mary's down here in downtown Sheraw, somebody would be talking to you like, I just wish God was a little more personal. Y'all ever had somebody say something like that? Because I'm telling you, your reply ought to be, well, hey, what do you think Christmas is about? He became real and he became personal. Then he put on human flesh. The Bible says in John chapter one, verse 14, that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Now, I don't have this on the screen, but I wish I would have put this on the screen because I think this is a really, really good word. So whenever you hear me down the road say, this is a good word, know that I think it's a good word and I hope you think it's a good word. Y'all with me? So here's what the good word I think is. Since God is with us in Jesus, God is for us because of Jesus. Thank you. Sandy, I was ready for you to say amen loud right there. Thank you. All right. So, you know, I feel good. Let me say that again because I really like it. Since God is with us in Jesus, God is for us because of Jesus. So this morning, I want to share with you three reasons. I'm sure there's a whole lot, many more reasons we can come up with, but three reasons I see from the text why we can rejoice here at Christmas. Number one, because he's with us, whatever your biggest problem happens to be, it can be conquered. (laughs) Look there at your text, verses 18 through 19. The birth of Jesus was as follows. After his mother, Mary, was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a just man. Do you notice it already refers to him as her husband? We'll talk about that. Being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example was minded to put her away secretly. Joseph had a big problem. Uh, To quote Ricky in the I Love Lucy show, Lucy, you've got a lot of explaining to do. She has a lot of explaining to do. He's got a really, really, really big problem. And you know what the problem is. I mean, now what do we know about Joseph? What do we know he was a carpenter? Uh, we don't know what all he built, but we know he was a carpenter by trade. Uh, if you haven't been to the old crib baby area, which is now my office, <laughs> and it's a jam of office, you ought to see it. There's one of my favorite portraits in all the world. It's a picture of Joseph there at his workbench. Trey, you remember it? You ever looked at it? It's, it's a picture of Joseph at his workbench. The sun is coming through the window there, and there's a toddler Jesus there, and he's doing what toddlers do. He's kind of scooped over. I would do it, but I don't want to blow my legs out, all right? So he's scooped over like toddlers are, and he's playing with the nail on the floor. And as the sunlight hits this toddler Jesus, the shadow behind him is not of a toddler, but of the cross. So powerful powerful image to know that he was born to die and Joseph one of the things I would love to know about Joseph is what all did he teach Jesus there in your carpenter shop I really wish I was good with woodwork woodworking and stuff like that maybe maybe one day maybe I can hang out with some of you Todd that are and uh, and I can learn a thing or two about carpentry but we know Jesus was a carpenter we know also that Joseph rather was a carpenter we know that Joseph also was was a just man uh, <laughs> This is morbid. Every now and then I wonder, what's Tina and the kids going to put on my tombstone? <laughs> Who thinks that way? And, and every now and then I thought, hey, this would be, what, what it, and I hope this is true. I hope they could say this to me. He was a just man. Because that's what the Bible says of Joseph. We don't know a lot about him, but the, what the Bible does tell us is that he was a just man. That meaning he was a righteous man. He sought to live righteously. What it also tells us is that he had a right relationship with the Lord. So we know that about him. He was a just man. We also know that he had fallen in love with a girl named Mary. I had the wonderful privilege yesterday of uh, uh, presiding at a wedding at, at, at Kellytown. 
of a young man that I watched basically grow up. Man, I feel old. (laughs) But what a wonderful and sweet and God-honoring service that was. We pray our blessings on Chandler uh, and Rachel. But Joseph fell in love with a girl named Mary. And in, in all likelihood, ladies and gentlemen, that marriage was was arranged, and it was probably arranged many years before. Uh, there have been people we've been close to over the years, and we're still close to these, these families, and they're just, we love them to death. And we've actually made comments to those individuals, hey, we ought to have some type of prearranged marriage. Don't that freak my kids out? It probably does. But it probably would freak your kids out as well. Aren't you glad you're not a preacher's kid because you don't have somebody talking about you up here? But that's how much we love these families that were in our life and are still in our lives. We, we saw how they lived their life. We saw their children. We thought, hey, let's do some prearranged marriages. That's what was taking place back in this day. So perhaps their families really knew each other well. But over time, not only was their marriage kind of arranged, but they had fallen in love. And they were really close. In fact, they were so close, they were already associated themselves and in their family and in their little community there. They were already calling each other husband and wife. The Bible says, how do you know that, Rod? Because the Bible says they were betrothed. In other words, they were engaged, but but our version of engagement and their version of engagement, it's similar, but their version is much more deeper and much more stronger. Jewish families, here's what they would do. Jewish families would promise their sons and daughters to one another a dowry would be paid and then they would be in this betrothal period, which was a legal arrangement, a legal arrangement. Yesterday, I was trying my best to make sure they're not leaving the church until they signed the, the documents. Y'all know what I'm talking about? They had to sign the marriage license. And, and one of the younger groomsmen said, have they signed it yet? And I says, no, they're married in the eyes of God, but not in the state of South Carolina. Well, I got to get them to sign their John Hancock's on this document here. It was a legal arrangement. That document is just like it was with betrothal. It was a legal arrangement. It was kind of like more of a contract, not a covenant. And any type of contract can be broken by mutual consent. So they weren't living together. They were not involved with one another physically, but from a legal perspective, they were married. So they were already referring to each other, you know, as husband and, and wife there. So everything, hey, here's the Hebrew word. Can I teach y'all a Hebrew word? Hunky-dory. <laughs> everything was hunky-dory. Yeah, I'm stretching that big time. Um, I took Hebrew in the summer, so yeah, I didn't learn a lot. So anyway, hunky-dory. So everything was just going really, really good for, for Mary and Joseph until verse 18. Y'all see what verse 18 says? Mary was found. And if you mark your Bibles, you ought to mark that little word found. She was found to be with child. That word found is very important. It doesn't mean she goes to Joseph one day. It doesn't mean Leland, she goes to Joseph and say, hey, guess what? I'm pregnant. No, she was found to be with child. So if you read in Luke's version of the Christmas story here, here, here's what I think happened. Gabriel comes and he announced to Mary, hey, you're highly favored. God has chosen you. You're going to bear his son, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Luke's gospel then tells us she goes to visit her relative, Elizabeth, who's also pregnant. And she's there visiting Elizabeth. So she leaves home and she goes off and she's living with Elizabeth for three months. And three months later, she comes back to Nazareth and she looks a little different. There again, Lucy, you are, <laughs> Mary, you got some explaining to do, <laughs> right? And, and, and I can just imagine, this is me and my wild imagination. When she comes through the door there and sees Joseph after three months, she's like, I've got some news for you. Do tell. I mean, I can imagine Joseph saying something like this. Oh, my goodness. And his mouth was on the floor here. 
I mean, can you imagine what he was thinking? <laughs> I mean, he, he probably had all sorts of thoughts going through his mind. Betrayal, you know, heartbreak, deep disappointment. I mean, he was probably thinking of just how confusing of a situation he was now in, she was now in, and all the explaining they were going to have to do. Uh, sorrow, I'm sure, was another one of his emotions. He was probably shocked as I'll get out. And then, um, like many of us are concerned about reputations, he was probably concerned about not only his reputation, but her reputation as well. Because here's the girl that he loved. Yeah, they were betrothed, but they had fallen in love. Here's the girl that, as far as he knew, was as pure as he was, somebody that loved the Lord, if not more than he did, and she's found to be with child. And so look what the Bible says in verse 19. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not wanting to make a public example out of her, had in mind to divorce her quietly. I, I remind you, he is what type of a man? He is a just man. And he didn't want to embarrass her. I mean, he could have called her out. He could have divorced her publicly in the public square. I mean, he really could have made a mockery out of her. He could have even had done according to the law and taken her outside of the city there, outside of the town. And they could have had her stoned because as far as he knew and as far as everybody else knew, she'd been unfaithful to him. And, and for him, man, it was pretty obvious. Good grief, Mary. How could you do this? So he could have, he could have even had had her stoned, but, but that wasn't him. He's a just man. And instead of just divorcing her privately or divorcing her publicly, he thought, well, I'll divorce her privately. We'll, we'll break this betrothal. We'll break this contract that we're in. And she can go on and live her life, and I'll just go on and live my life. Now, now here's what's cool about being on this side of history and from having God's word so readily available for us today. Uh, We know what he knew, but we know more than what he knew at this particular point of the story, all right? And we knew what God was doing. Look at verse 18. After his mother, Mary, was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be the child of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I'm a, no offense to any Dallas Cowboys fans out there. I've always been a Pittsburgh Steelers fan ever since I was a little kid. Yeah, I see one of those hands going up. Yeah, and, and Franco Harris caught a, caught a reception one day, called a miraculous conception, or reception. This is a miraculous conception, all right? It's just really, really cool. And Joseph could never have saw this coming. I mean, wow, God's just doing something supernatural here. Uh, a baby's being conceived in, in Mary's womb, and, and, and it's impossible because she is a virgin. By the way, if you ever go buy a Bible and you want to make sure this is a good Bible, you need to go to a text like this. And if it leaves out the word virgin, don't buy that Bible. That's how important of a word this particular word is. But the big difficulty in all of this, because we all know biology, is that this is just not possible. <laughs> Uh, I've told y'all before, I love David Jeremiah. MB's probably watching online today. He and I have had conversations about David Jeremiah. David Jeremiah tells a story. uh, In fact, he told it recently. I was listening to one of his podcasts of how he and his ministry had made some Bibles, had made some really new study Bibles for kiddos and exciting and adventurous Bibles that they made especially for kids. And his grandkids said, well, we want one. So he promised his grandchildren, I'll give you one of these Bibles if you promise to read it every day. That's a pretty good promise. If you promise to read it every day, I'll give you one of these Bibles. So he gave his grandchildren these Bibles. And then sometime thereafter, his daughter-in-law comes up to him, if I remember the story correctly, and says, your grandkids have a question for you regarding something they read in Scripture. Here's the question. They want to know. 
How did Mary and Joseph have a baby when they didn't even know each other? I mean, they didn't even know anything about me. So there's a little kid's train of thought here. How did they have a baby when Mary didn't know a thing about Joseph and Joseph didn't know a thing about Mary? And y'all know what David Jeremiah said? He said, tell them to ask their father. <laughs> uh, I look forward to the day, Bill, I can say, ask your father. But anyway, so, I mean, they weren't ignorant. Yeah, they're from Nazareth, but they weren't ignorant when it comes to the basics of human biology. They understood this is not possible. This is just impossible. That's why Joseph was so troubled. But listen, we serve a God that makes the impossible possible. <laughs> yeah. And he's, he's going to do the impossible in Mary's life. He's about to do the impossible in Joseph's life. And he did the impossible to change the life of every human being to walk on the face of the earth. So whatever your, your biggest problems happen to be, they're not big when you compare them to Emmanuel, who is God with us. But there, there's another reason that we can rejoice today. And, and man, I hope you can rejoice because of this. Because he's Emmanuel, because he is with us, Whatever your deepest fears happen to be, they can be subdued. Subdued, yeah. Look at verse 20, and here's what the Bible says. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in you is of, is from the Holy Spirit. So here's one of the, because of what we just read here in the text, obviously he was somewhat fearful. He was somewhat concerned. I mean, surely he was probably hurt because right now he doesn't know everything that's happening as we do. And, and he's probably fearful about what's going to be said about him and Mary. You know, back where I grew up in Graniteville, if you wanted to know the town gossip, you went to the hardware store. And I think if you still want to know the town gossip, you go to the hardware store today. It's, it's like a store that time has forgot and the decades cannot improve. You can't, it's not anything like a Lowe's, but anyway, it's kind of, a funny story there, but, um, but he can just imagine what was happening among the conversations in the, in the workplace. He could imagine the conversations that were going to be taking place in local restaurants like, who's the daddy? Or, um, or who's going to raise this baby of marriage? Or I wonder if marriage is going to be outcast from her own family. So Joseph is probably pondering all these things in his mind when an angel appears to him. And notice that this angel knows his name. He doesn't call him buddy. Now, I don't know about you, but I learned from a pastor friend of mine years ago, and he's still pastoring up in the Raleigh area today. He was terrible with names. In fact, they really say people a whole lot smarter than me, if I remember the story, say that you really are only good with about 100 people knowing about 100 people's names. Try being a preacher and being in several churches. It's hard learning everybody's name. Give me time. But um, I learned from this pastor friend of mine, and Trey, you'll like this, whenever he knocked on somebody's door or somebody came up to see him, it was always not, hey, Trey, it was, hey, buddy. That's pretty cool. So here, I help you out. You may not know anybody, maybe the long lost relative that comes over for Christmas dinner, just call him buddy. Hey, buddy. The angel didn't say that. He didn't come up to Joseph and say, hey, buddy. Kip, he says, Joseph. I mean, he actually calls him by his name. Can I tell you something? Angels know your name too. There's angels among us and and angels know our name. This angel knew about Joseph. He knew about his family and he knew that Joseph was afraid to take Mary as his wife. So he said, that which is conceived in her womb is from the Holy Spirit. So do not be afraid. The King James says, do not fear. And if you're here this morning, if you're experiencing fear, 
And if you're afraid about something going on in your life, and if you're not fearful now, something will happen in your life where you will be fearful of, know that because he's Emmanuel, he is with us. And we have nothing to fear. <laughs> that phrase, do not fear or fear not, however you want to phrase it, appears some 81 times in Scripture. In Genesis 15, verse 1, the word of the Lord came to Abram and said, do not fear. In Joshua 8, 1, the Lord says to Joshua, do not fear or, or fear not. In Isaiah 41, verse 13, guess what we read? Fear not or do not fear. Actually, we read a little bit more than that. It says, I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, fear not, do not fear. In, in the Christmas story, uh, there are four angelic visits of an angel and every time they appear in the Christmas story, they automatically say, not Merry Christmas, but fear not. So over and over and over and over again, the angels begin by saying, fear not. So, hey, if you're afraid of something going on in your life, if you're afraid of what your future might, might, might be or what a situation you're encountering right now, if you're fearful of that, if you're fearful of a health, issue going on in your life or and maybe these are things down the road if, if you're just fearful about it, you name it man I got great news for you because he is Emmanuel God with us there's nothing for you and for me to really really fear that's that's the beauty and that's the message of Christmas y'all with me say amen if you are hey there, there's a story I love this story it takes place back in December the 24th 1914 FYI, I wasn't here yet, here yet, okay? I existed only within the mind of God. So December, the four, December 24th, 1914 in Belgium, y'all probably have heard this story. It's a great Christmas story. A group of German soldiers were on one side, a group of British soldiers were on the other side. In the middle was no man's land. Now we got a room full of, of young folks here. They're socially distancing. <laughs> but um, all these young people down here, all right, let me tell y'all this. If y'all don't remember that, that little truce there for Christmas Eve, if y'all seen Wonder Woman, that movie Wonder Woman that came out a couple years ago, have y'all seen that? Pretty cool movie. All right, she was in no man's land. You know, the British weren't doing anything because of the Nazis, so what does Wonder Woman do? She just goes out. Y'all see how the older folks, y'all thinking, he's talking about Wonder Woman. I'm trying to connect, all right? But in the real story here, in the real story, there's no man's land. You got the Nazis on one side, you got the British troops on the other. No man's land in between here when something pretty extraordinary happened the German soldiers began to decorate their trenches with Christmas things. Uh, they would even hang candles in Christmas or in trees that we would now call Christmas trees. And then they started singing Christmas carols. They could have sung, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And while the British troops really didn't understand what they were saying, they understood the tune. Uh, years ago, I had the wonderful opportunity of going to, to Zambia and um, no cable TV, really didn't have a lot of access at that time to the internet and stuff like that. So at night, what I would do is I would take my phone, this is real nerdy of me, and forgive my kids, they've heard this before, and I would put up my star app and I would look and I would say, ah, there's the constellations. The stars came alive there in Africa. I mean, there was no lights around me. And oh, I've never seen the constellations just pop out like that. And one of the coolest constellations you could see was the Southern Cross. You can't see that here in America, but you could see it down there in Africa. And I was out there one night and um, the choir from the, from the Bible college there in Zambia was, was singing. 
And that's when they did their practice, Diane, on a, on, during the night. I mean, what are you going to do? There's no TV or nothing like that. So they were practicing. And, and I couldn't understand a word they were saying. But I knew the tune. So here I am sitting outside of where they're singing. They didn't ask me to come in. So I'm kind of glad they didn't. So I'm singing off key to what they're singing in key to a beautiful song. I recognize the tune there. These German soldiers and British soldiers began to sing Christmas carols to each other. <laughs> and then they started shouting one to another, Merry Christmas in their own heart language. And then <laughs> a few brave soldiers left their trenches and they came and they met there in the middle and they exchanged Christmas gifts. And they didn't have time to go to Walmart and shop Amazon and stuff like that, but they would give each other candies and, and chocolates. I like chocolate. And they would give each other chocolate and candies. They would even give each other cigars and things like that. And then they would show each other pictures of their families. And that Christmas truce lasted Christmas Eve, lasted Christmas Day. And in some places on the war front, it lasted all the way through New Year's. But then, as it is in war, they went back to fighting and unfortunately killing each other. It proves this point. Man-made peace is never lasting, but the peace that God gives us through Emmanuel is forever. And if you want peace there's only one way you can get it and it's the name jesus he is our peacemaker i love the psalms and i'm trying one of my resolutions for this year was to learn um, to memorize verses of scripture and i feel like god's just laid upon my heart this coming year 2021 as i continue in that discipline of trying to memorize scripture more than I ever have before. I really want to learn more Psalms and more Proverbs, but I love Psalms 56. Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. So whatever your deepest fears happen to be, you can rejoice because they can be subdued. And then lastly, another reason you can rejoice is because he's with us. He's Emmanuel. Our greatest need is met. Look at verse 21 if your Bibles are still open. I hope they are. The Bible says, and she would bring forth the son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. I mean, Joseph had the honor of being the earthly dad of Jesus. You wonder what their Sunday afternoons were like. (laughs) I tell you what, when I was a kid, I loved Sunday afternoons. We had, we most of the time had Kentucky fried chicken for lunch. That was a special day. We didn't eat Kentucky fried chicken unless it was a Sunday. That is Baptist bird after all, right? Chicken, right? Really, Southern Baptist birds, Chick-fil-A, just saying so you can't go to Florence or unless you go to Chick-fil-A. But anyway, let's go to Florence. But they're only open on Monday through Saturday. Anyway, so um, I can remember Sunday afternoons. It, it always revolved around football with me and the kids in the neighborhood. And, um, and we would win, Trey. Just want you to know, we would win. I'm competitive. We won. But, um, and of course, I was the Steelers. But if not the Steelers, the Gamecocks. Bless my heart. Bless my heart. So we're, we're playing football on Sunday afternoons. And I say all that to say this. I wonder if Joseph and Jesus played catch. You know, football wasn't back then, but you wonder if they threw something around. Wouldn't it be cool to think about? I mean, he had that, he had that great honor and great responsibility to, to raise Jesus and to watch Jesus grow from a little toddler and baby to a teenager. Gabriel told Joseph, you're to give him the name Jesus. The name Jesus is the Greek name that translates the name Yeshua, which is the Hebrew name Joshua, which means God saves or Yahweh saves. So even in his very name, we hear what his mission is. He's all about saving. He's all about saving people. He's all about saving me and you. 
And, and that's what his name means. Our greatest need is to have our sins forgiven. Y'all, y'all, y'all agree with that? I mean, our greatest need is to have my sin. Your greatest need is to have your sin forgiven, to be rescued from the penalty of sin. Our greatest need is not to live in the nicest house, although that, pretty, that, that would be nice. Our greatest need is not to drive the coolest car, although that would be kind of cool, right? Our greatest need is not to wear the nicest clothes or to have our kids attend the most prestigious colleges. Great time of day. Do y'all know what some of those prestigious colleges cost? My kids ain't getting in them. I don't care how smart they are. I ain't got the money to send them there. Or excuse me, I don't have the money to send them there. Our greatest need is to have our sins forgiven. And folks, that's why he was born. That's why he came, to meet our, our greatest need. You know, the Bible is full of the names of, of, of Jesus. It's full of the names of God's Son. He is the first and the last. He is the beginning and the end. He is the Alpha and Omega. He is the anointed one. He is the ancient of days. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is our prophet. He is our priest. He is our king. He's our savior. He's the only wise God. He's the everlasting father. He is the prince of peace. He is the door of the sheep. He is the great shepherd. He's the wonderful counselor. He is our Lord. He is the almighty. He is the chief shepherd. He's the great high priest. He is the lamb. He is the logos. He is the eternal word of God. He is the light. He is the tree of life. He's the bread of life. He's the light of the world. He's the water of life. He's the way and the truth and the life. He is our rock. He's our redeemer. He's our savior. He's our friend. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. And his name is Jesus. And Jesus was born for one reason for you. And if you were the only person to walk this side, he would have left heaven for you. That's how important you are to him. He didn't come so you could just be a better person. We all need to be better people, right? But being a good person doesn't get you into heaven. Being a good person gets you into hell. Being a good person doesn't get you into heaven. If you want to get into heaven, you've got to be a saved person. You've got to put your faith in the only one person, that's in Jesus. He didn't come at Christmas to give us a sentimental holiday, and I like this sentimental holiday. I mean, good gosh, I'm even watching Hallmark Channel movies. I've never done that till this year, but I'm watching, guys, don't think less of me, but I'm watching a little bit of those movies every now and then. Anyway, pray for me. Jesus didn't come because he wanted to give us a sentimental holiday. He came because our sin separated us from a holy God. And that's why I came. So, hey, personal question for you. Personal question for you. I'll, I'll get as close to you as I can. That's close enough. What are you doing with this man called Jesus? I mean, he came for you. But, but what are you doing with this man called Jesus? You know, if our greatest need would have been for uh, education, he would have sent us a teacher. If our greatest need would be for technology, he would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need would have been money, he would have sent us an economist. Boy, I wish he would send some economists to Washington. <laughs> Another story. If our greatest need would have been for pleasure, he would have sent us an entertainer, but our greatest need was for forgiveness, so he sends us a savior, and his name is Jesus. Let me ask you to bow your head, every head bowed and every eye closed. And as we um, prepare to sing our final song, um, there again, the question is, what have you done with Jesus? Who is he uh, to you? I believe there are some men and women that are here today, perhaps boys and girls, 
that know that they're not right with Jesus, that they need to get right with him, that if he were to come today for them, they won't be with him in heaven. Hey, he's prepared heaven for you. And he wants to give you that that most precious and greatest gift, salvation, forgiveness of sins, a home in heaven. But the only way for you to receive that is to accept what he's done for you and receive that gift. He's your deepest need. You need Jesus. Young people, you need Jesus. Give your life to him. Older folks, middle-aged folks, you need Jesus. Give your life to him. He is your greatest need. If you're here today and you're confused about where you need to go, you need to come to Jesus. Don't wait till you think you're cleaned up and fixed up and ready to come to him. You come to him now and let him do the fixing up later. And if you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, uh, I, I would humbly ask you to pray this prayer. There, it's not any magical words that I'm sharing with you. But if you've never prayed and asked him to save you, Romans 10, 9 tells us to do that. So let me lead you in this prayer, whether you're here or whether you're joining us online. If you never asked Jesus to be your Savior, would you pray this prayer? Uh, Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. And I believe Jesus died to forgive me of my sins. I accept your offer of eternal life. Thank you for forgiving me of of all of my sins and for giving me new life in Jesus. And from this day forward, help me to follow you. Still with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you prayed that prayer, um, and if you're here in this place, uh, Trey and I will be down front. We would love for you to be bold and to leave your chair and to come see either me or Trey and say, hey, I just prayed that prayer. What do I do next? We want to pray for you. We want to rejoice with you. If you prayed that prayer at home, get in touch with us some way, somehow, and let us know you prayed that prayer as well so we can help you take that, that next step. And Father, I um, don't know what you'll do as a result of um, the message today. Some may choose to respond uh, publicly. Some may choose just to be private about that. But whatever decisions that we make today, whether it's to give you our life, to rededicate our life, to join this church family, there's a beautiful thing about church membership. And you need to be part of a local church. Make it official. Become a part of this fellowship. That's what God is leading you to do. So, Lord, regardless whatever our decisions happen to be, may you receive all the praise, the glory, and the honor, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.